street as well. Now, you don't want to miss either of these because uh, Pastor Shelby has got some special stuff planned for both services. Um, uh, so please come be a part of this. We'll have communion in uh, the evening service where you can partake in communion as a family. There'll be a lot of Christmas carols in the, in the morning service. It'll be a great time to come be in the presence of God. But here's what I want to challenge you. Who is going to find Jesus because you invited them to Christmas? Who's going to find Jesus because you invited them to a Christmas service? Who do you need to invite this week to come sit with you? Come be a part of church. Come be a part of the, the, the blessing and the message of, of, of Christmas. So I want to challenge you to invite someone. Don't come by yourself. Um, pray about it. See who God places on your heart. And extend them an invite and bring them to church next Sunday. Okay, with that, I'm done with announcements. <laughs> you guys ready for the message? A Christmas blessing is what we've been talking about in the last uh, few weeks and uh, uh, unpacking Isaiah chapter 9, verses uh, 2 and 3 and verse 6. A Christmas blessing. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nations and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Verse 6, For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And he will be called a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. In the last few weeks, we've talked about how people were walking in darkness. There was hopelessness. There was, there was uh, people were looking for answers. They were looking for a, a, a king to come rescue them from the oppression of, of the world and the oppression of leaders that were uh, corrupt. And there was uh, so much corruption happening that looked very similar to the world that we currently live in today. And I'm sure many of you are sitting here this morning going, man, where is that hope that I am looking for? Man, it looks like I'm in this dark place. It looks like I have lost all hope. And, and how am I going to make it past next week? Or how am I going to make it past the next month? Or what's going to be the next doctor's uh, uh, diagnosis? Or, or man, what's going to happen to my marriage? Or what's going to happen to my kids? How are they, how, what, what are they going to decide? And, and all of these different things that keep coming at us and the people were walking in darkness but we talked about how a light has dawned a light the hope of jesus christ for to us a child is born and a son is given and last week we talked about how he is a wonderful counselor a counselor that is here with us that is here to stay with us that has this wisdom that is able to speak life into our lives that is able to give us direction that is able to comfort us that is able to walk alongside of us to be our friend when we need a friend and he never leaves our side but the choice is up to us and this morning, I want to focus on uh, mighty God and how that turns into him being our everlasting 
Father. If you've missed any of the messages, we encourage you that you can go to our website or go to our app. You can always catch up on what you've missed, so in case you kind of missed out. Mighty God, everlasting Father. Growing up as a, a child, um, I remember when uh, my, my uncle and aunt used to live in England. And so one time, one summer, my parents uh, took us to um, uh, just go hang out with them on vacation. So we went to uh, England. And so we got to go see different places in England. And one of the places we went to is Buckingham Palace. This is where the queen resided. Royalty. All, all, there was a lot of power and, and, and ma- just, just magnificent, magnificent look of this building. And, and I remember standing in front of Buckingham Palace and just seeing just the power that resided in there and the royalty that resided in there. And you had the, the gods that guarded the entrances. And every six hours, the gods will exchange their locations and new gods will come in. And there was a parade with that whole process. Process. And man, there it was just so cool just watching that. And I, I, would, I, was, I would always wonder, man, what would it look like if I tried to enter that space and, and maybe make my way into uh, that, that, that palace? Chances are um, I would be arrested and put in jail, right? I mean, many of you have your own celebrities that, man, you look at uh, may, may, maybe the Taylor Swift that you sit at the, the Chiefs game and you guys take photographs, right? I've seen your post on social media like, oh, man, look at Taylor Okay, you're like, what would happen if you try to get a selfie with her? What would happen if you kind of stepped up close to her trying to get a selfie with her? Or maybe whatever celebrity you had, you tried to kind of approach them and, and you tried to get personal with them. What do you think would happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would, you would be arrested or maybe put in jail or you get in trouble for doing that, right? But what if I was to say to you today that this Christmas you can meet celebrity. You could meet royalty. Here's the thing, royalty never comes looking for you. <laughs> you always have to go looking for them, Right? But what if I was to tell you this Christmas that royalty came looking for you? That never happens in our world. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, He came looking for you. 2,000 plus years ago, he arrived in the form of a child as a baby, came into this world in a, in a lowly stable for you. And we would never get into trouble if we approached this royalty. Never. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Who is this child? Who is this son? And what is his identity? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23 gives us a little insight into that. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quickly. As he considered this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid. Take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you ought to name him Jesus. The Lord saves. For he will save his people from their sin. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, a virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Who is this child? The son, Jesus, the one here to save his people, the one here to save us, the one here to meet with us, the one here that has come to rescue us from our sin, the one here who has come to restore us into a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Matthew drives home the, the Christmas message that Jesus is not uh, simply a great teacher or, or an, an angelic being, but the divine God himself. He sets the record straight that Jesus is God and that he entered the world as a baby in human form and that he is here with us. The most direct statement of Jesus' identity is found in verse 23 when Matthew is quoting a, a, a prophecy that Isaiah had 700 years before Christ. Isaiah prophesies this 700 years before Christ. Then the angels show up and they, and, and they remind Joseph and Mary of that promise. And that prophecy is found in verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This child, this son is Jesus, Emmanuel the divine God himself with us, royalty with us, came looking for us. The God of the universe, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the creator that created you and me, created you and me. See, for centuries... The Jewish leaders and the scholars, they knew this prophecy. They had heard about this prophecy, uh, but they had not thought that it should take a literal form. They assumed that uh, it would be some great leader that would show up to represent God or to act on behalf of God. That's how they saw this, to, on behalf of God to save them. Let's stop and think about that. 
Somebody that would show up on behalf of God to save them. If you look at our churches today, a lot of us kind of live with that mindset. We look at leaders that have been placed in powerful positions and we look to them and think that, oh man, you know what? They've been sent on behalf of God to save us, right? They're the ones that are going to establish what's right and wrong, the political leaders and, and, and in government. And we look at them and we go, oh yeah, 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 they're, they're, they're the ones here on behalf of God. Well, yes, God chooses to use people to accomplish his task, but let me remind you today that you and I have God here with us. He's here. We don't have to look anywhere else. We have direct access to the Father. Let us not forget that. Because that changes everything. The person that has power to do anything and everything lives inside of you. The moment you ask him into your heart. What Matthew is saying here is that this promise, which was given to Isaiah 700 years ago, is greater than anything and anything that people imagine. It came true, not figuratively, but literally. Christmas, for to us, a child is born and a son is given. God is here with us. And he wants to do life with you. The human uh, life growing inside the womb of Mary was a miracle performed by God himself. So a question, why would God choose to do this? Why? Why would royalty choose to step down into this earth to be born as a baby in the humble of situations, in the humble of uh, play, humbling way, uh, coming into a lowly stable. Why would he do that? Why? Is it possible? Because he loves you? Because he cares about you? Because he wants a relationship with you? Because he wants to re, uh, re-energize what he intended to see in you before sin? Is it possible? How does that change things for you this Christmas? How does it change things for you? What if I was to say, if we were to truly understand this concept of God with us, that this Christmas could be life-altering for you? See, the truth of the Christmas miracle that our mighty God and everlasting Father entered this world to make his home with you. To make his home with you. I just want that to settle for you to process through that. In the Old Testament, Before Jesus, there was the tabernacle, the place where there was the holy of holies. 
and God resided in that space. And only one person could enter that space, the high priest. He had to go through this ritualistic process before he could enter the Holy of Holies to be in the presence of God to represent the people uh, that the high priest represented. But then we see Jesus entering the picture, going to that cross, dying for you and me. And he gave each and every one of you, no matter where you are in your life and what state you're in your, in your spiritual walk, he gave each and every one of us access into that holy of holies where we can come face to face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he gave us access so that the God of the universe could come live inside of our lives. You remember the tabernacle? That's our bodies, our holy temple, where God resides. God with us, Emmanuel. See, God with us leads to a personal crisis. Leads to a personal crisis. 1 John chapter 4 verse, uh, chapter 4 verse 15 says, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. God lives in them and they in God. See, God with us and the claim that Jesus is God causes this crisis in our lives. It causes a crisis in our lives. And why is that? The crisis is the fork in the road, the assertion, the statement of belief that Jesus Christ is God is exactly that. Because when we make that statement, that changes a lot of things in our life. If Jesus is God, that changes how we operate. See, when Jesus walked on this earth, he always seemed to put people into motion. He was kind of like this uh, giant billiard ball that would place people, that would meet people wherever they were, and he would break up the old patterns he would break up the old patterns. He would break up the old ways of living. He would break up the old belief systems. He would break up the old ways that we thought. And he would send people off in new directions. And always in a good direction. That causes a crisis in our lives. He would evoke great reactions with people he hung out with. Some were furious about his claim. They just couldn't wrap their head around it. What? Really? Son of God? No way. From Nazareth? <laughs> no way. Some were terrified since he challenged their way of life. And he may be doing that with you this morning. They asked him to leave their town. To leave their town. To leave their lives. Don't meddle with my life. Leave me out of it. Because I can't deal with that. Right? Others bowed down and worshipped him. And embraced him. So why, why the extreme reactions... It was the claim about who he was. The claim about who he was. See, if he is who he says he is, then you have to center your whole life 
around him. If he says who he is, you've got to center your whole life around him and what he teaches us. If he's not who he says he is, then he's someone you hate and run from. What's your reaction this morning? Is it, I'm furious? <laughs> How dare you? Is it, ah, it's too much for me. I can't handle that. I'm out of here. Or is it, man, I bow down and worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords, because you are who you say you are. And I need you in my life. I surrender every aspect of my life to you. I submit to you. I need you to be the core of my life. I need, your, I need you to convert my body into a holy temple. I need you to come in and I need you to cleanse me, to purify me, to take away the things that are pulling me apart from you, the things of this world that have taken me away from you, that have separated me, that is causing this, uh, this, this challenge in my life, that is causing this frustration in my life, that is causing this unrest in my life. I need you to come take care. See, in our modern world, in our churches, we find people who say that they believe in Jesus and they say they understand who he is. But it has not revolutionized their life. There hasn't been a crisis. Their life still looks the same. They still do the same things they did before they gave their lives to Jesus. Or they have changed a few things and they say, well, those things I'm not going to allow you to touch because it messes with my comfort and my happiness. It doesn't work that way. There's been no personal crisis and lasting change. The direction of their life is still the same and there has not been an alteration in direction. The only way to explain that is contrary to what we claim, we have not grasped the meaning of what God, the mighty God, is with us. We haven't grasped it. See, um, I looked up the definition of crisis and here is a one definition that uh, Webster's Dictionary had. A crisis, turning point of a disease, when an important change takes place, indicating either recovery or death. Interesting. A turning point of a disease called sin. <laughs> when an important change takes place, acknowledging of God as our creator and savior that came after you. God with us. Indicating recovery or death. <laughs> In this case, when we see that change happen, leads to recovery and life. Recovery and life and restoration. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 puts it well. It says, the sin nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
our sin nature. It wants to do evil. It wants to do the bad things opposite to what God really wants. And the Spirit gives us the desire that are opposite to what the sin nature desires. We have these desires that are constantly taking us down the wrong path. But God says, you know what? I want to give you different desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out the good intentions. A crisis. But God with us, when He comes right into our lives, it starts to change everything. It changes everything. The way I like to portray it is the mighty God standing on the outside, knocking, asking for permission to come inside of our lives. But you know what? We just want to wear the God clothing to look good and holy. Just on the outside. But we won't let you inside because it'll kind of mess up the flow of life and the things I like to do, the things that make me fit into this world, the things that give me the happiness that maybe don't line up with the things that God's word is asking me to change. And God say, man, just don't wear my clothing. I want to come live inside of you. I want to make your body a holy temple. I want to do communion with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want my Holy Spirit to lead you and direct you and change you. Man, do you realize the, the, the sin that is inside that is ruining you, the cancer that is eating you up from the inside? And I want to come inside. I want to heal that. I want to bring you freedom. I want to give you true joy. The mighty God came bringing hope, a great hope. He came bringing a great hope. The claim that Jesus is God, the claim that Jesus is God, and us, us proclaiming that and believing that and allowing the God of this universe to come take residence inside of us gives us the greatest possible hope. And this Christmas could look different and could change the rest of your life if you truly understand that concept and truly Line up with that and truly live that out in your life. It could alter the rest of your life. I've seen it. I'm living it. I still have more. But man, I would never trade it for anything. A hope for a world despite all its unending problems, there's always hope. Hope for you and me, despite our unending failings in life, there is hope. I know there is a lot of brokenness around us. There is brokenness in our lives. It is the real thing because of the sin nature that we live in. Just because we become followers of Jesus Christ, some of that doesn't leave us. It still is there because it's called the sin nature. But Jesus says, I give you my peace. I give you my hope. And one day we get to spend eternity with Jesus. And when we do that, all the brokenness will leave eventually yes that is the hope we look forward to the blessed hope eternity with jesus but in the meantime in this broken world as followers of jesus christ we have the hope that he gives us that he will give us his peace he will give us a joy in the midst of the crisis the midst of the brokenness he will and that's what he wants for you and me see a god who was only holy would not have come down to us in Jesus Christ. He would have simply demanded that we pull ourselves together and we become uh, moral and holy enough to merit a relationship with Him. 
A God who was all accepting in love would not have needed to come down to this earth. The God of our modern imagination would have just overlooked sin and, and evil and embraced everyone because he's a loving God. Neither God or the moralism or God or the relativism would have bothered with Christmas. But the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, the God of creation, the God who formed and shaped you, the God who is all-powerful that defines right and wrong, infinitely holy and infinitely loving. So, our sin could not just be shrugged away. It had to be dealt with. It had to be dealt with. He also knew that we could not crawl ourselves out of this to come to him. He knew that. And so guess what he did? He came. He came looking for you and me. He came. He came into this world because he loves you and me. He stepped down into this world to pay the price, to take care of the sin nature. I asked you earlier the question, why would royalty step down? <laughs> into this earth, born in a stable. He came for you and me. Christmas. Christmas. He came looking for me. To save me. Because he loves me. Royalty. Came looking for you. To save you. Because he loves you. What are you going to do about it? How is this Christmas going to be different? Is it going to be just the lights? Is it going to be just the food? Is it just going to be the presents? Is it going to be just the family, the tree, and everything that comes with the busyness of Christmas? Or are we going to stop? And reflect on the fact that this God stepped into our world for you and me. And when we understand that, when we understand that this God who loves you so much stepped into this world to rescue you, to rescue me, to be in a relationship, to call us his sons and daughters, then we understand how he becomes an everlasting father. A father that loves us beyond anything. A father that cares about us. I know in our world today, when we talk about fathers that could cause reactions that may not be as healthy because of how maybe your father treated you, but your heavenly father acts differently than your earthly father. Your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father cares about you. Your heavenly father sees you. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's patient. He's merciful. He's trustworthy. He's sovereign. And he's good. 
But here's the most important thing. He's here to stay. He's here to stay. He wants a relationship. He's here to meet with you. He's here to hang out with you. He's here to be wherever you are. He's here to hold your hand and walk you on a journey because he loves you. We're no longer separated, alienated, or alone. We get to choose. My daughter, um, she, um, my youngest, she uh, likes to always be outside running around, riding a bike. And, but she doesn't like to be out there by herself. <laughs> so uh, even yesterday, I, I was out there. She was riding her scooter, and I was getting her to come inside. And she, she turned around, she looks, and said, Dad, don't leave me. Dad, don't leave me. of my heavenly father. Dad, don't leave me. And he's not going to leave you because he's right there. He's right there. And he loves you. Man, if you can just grasp that this Christmas, you will never be alone. You will never be alone. Your pain is real. Your struggle is real. Your hurt is real. Your loneliness is real. I understand it. And he does too. And he wants to meet you. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Is it going to be another Christmas? 23 wraps up. Lights go down. The trees put away. The food's done. Back to the rat race. Or it's going to be different this Christmas to understand that this God who loves you so much is here to live inside of you. And it changes new direction, a new focus, a new path because he loves you. And we get to say, Dad, you'll never leave me. I know it because I've seen it. You stand with me this morning. Here's how we're going to end service tonight. I've asked the team to lead us out in a song. I wasn't sure exactly where we were taking and going with this, but here's what I want to do. I want this to be a personal moment with you and your Heavenly Father. You know where you are this morning. Some of us have given our lives to Jesus Christ. Some of us haven't. No matter where we are in our journey, we need the Father in every area. And some of us need to recommit to the Father and invite Him. Some of us have to do that for the very first time. Some of us still have areas we need to surrender. Let us not leave the Father on the outside, but let us invite this Heavenly Father into our spaces. So even as they lead us in worship, 
Don't feel like you have to sing. I want to give you a chance to have a conversation. Don't walk out of here and go, man, that was a great service. No. What did it do to your heart and your life? Lead us up, worship team. Her.